to another episode of the Big Knowledge Football Dynasty Podcast. I'm Sonny and I'm your host. So welcome back. I hope you're not too bored here. The offseason is uh, just barely getting underway and yet it feels like there's going to be an eternity to go before we get to the combine and the draft and all those things. Um, So hope you're not going too stir crazy. I'm here trying to give you some content. Um, I've been spending a lot of my time just looking at these players and doing some scouting and reading and watching game film and just kind of digging in and finding out whatever I can about some of these prospects. So that is what I'm here today to do. Um, If you do have any suggestions of guys you would like me to talk about, um, I am open to it because I do find that I keep finding new guys kind of popping out of the woodwork um, just every day. It seems like uh, at least weekly I'm finding new guys that I hadn't even heard of or hadn't really thought of um, in terms of being relevant for fantasy football. I maybe just heard their name once and now I'm thinking, okay, you know what? That's a good point. You know, it's just kind of stuff to, to look into. So if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Big Knowledge FO1. It's Big Knowledge Football. Or you can email the show at Big Knowledge Football at gmail.com. Um, so anyway, let's get right into the show. Today's show, what I'm going to do is I have three wide receivers prospects um, coming out of this 2019 uh, rookie class. Um, three guys that I feel are big and potentially dominant. Um, that I feel we can get very late, if not for free. Um, and that will all just depend, obviously, on some of the combine stuff. I have I have actually quite a few players um, for this exact profile, um, but I felt like I just didn't want to try to squeeze too many players into the podcast. So we're going to do three. I might actually have enough to put um, a few of the other ones in, but the other ones I have a couple... One of the guys I feel like is being overhyped, uh, you know, there's this kind of like, I, I might just put them in on their own spotlights. I don't know how I'm going to work it out yet. I've just, there's there's so many guys that are similar and yet different um, that it's going to be taking steps. I'm going to try to parse it apart. I'm trying to give you podcasts um, that go well together, that when I'm piecing players together, that it's almost like a meal or, or an appetizer or something where things complement each other and it's not just too many layers of the same player. And what you'll see today is that it's pretty close. I'm always doing what I didn't want to do in that I'm talking about three players that have very similar profiles. And there's so many of these type players throughout this draft, um, tall, big, wide receivers, um, that I felt like, okay, I can still do player spotlights and mix some of these guys that I want to talk about in throughout these spotlight segments. But I can also just kind of highlight a few of my favorites um, that I feel like I'm going to be able to get later in the draft and let's just do them all in one podcast. So the interesting thing about this podcast is I think I'm giving a couple, at least a couple of, and maybe three of my late round gems in one podcast. Um, but that's just hard to say now because we don't know what the draft cycle is going to be. We don't know where these guys are going to go. Um, I may change my mind on the players or the public or the sentiment may change on them. Or I may have the wrong read of, of the public sentiment in the first place. So Anyway, it's, I'm, I'm excited to do this podcast. I, I definitely would earmark this podcast um, to come back to later, and I will definitely be talking about these players later. Um, this is going to be one that I really feel like there's a couple guys in here, um, especially these first two guys I talk about, that I intend on getting at least one of them at the end of or, or in free agency after my rookie drafts in every league. I would be targeting at least one of them, and if I could get both of them kind of free, if I have roster room, you know, it comes down to a lot of different things. And I'm not just like saying I have to do this, but it's like these two guys I'm seeing, I would like to have at least one of them on my team as one of those late round additions. And we'll hope, hopefully we'll see them slide um, to that point, but also still show enough um, throughout the process to uh, confirm 
that excitement about those players. So let's just get right into it. Um, my very first player, and the way I'm going to structure these today is I've got three players, and I'm going to do them in the order that I think they're kind of the highest value guy, the guy that's going to be the, the most expensive to the lowest value guy, the guy that I think will be almost free. Um, and then we'll kind of go from there. And like I said, it's, it's, it's early, but I, I have already, you know, trying to read the tea leaves. It's kind of our job as, as uh, Dynasty football players, and, and my job is the Dynasty football podcast host. Um, and I do want to say thing, one thing on that. I was thinking about this. I haven't mentioned this for a while, but I do have some new listeners, and I wanted to mention that, you know, I am not a dynasty guru. I don't see myself as somebody who's here to tell you what's right, what's wrong, everything about it. I much more see myself as kind of a dynasty buddy. You know, somebody, I, I have some friends in the dynasty leagues and communities that I'm in um, that we kind of throw ideas off each other. And, and I see myself right now as just a friend of yours. It's a one-sided relationship. Unfortunately, I don't get all your goodies. Um, but I'm giving you my goodies. I'm just sitting here saying, hey, this is how I see Dynasty football. This is how I see the players. This is what I'm trying to attack. These are the angles I like to take. These are the strategies I implement. This is how I try to make trades. All those things I kind of just try to lay out for you. Um, but understand, I, I'm not, I don't consider myself a Dynasty guru. I, don't, I mean, I do spend more time than the average Joe or Bear or whatever you want to say. But I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these people that gets paid to do this, and I'm not going to stand here and try to tell you, hey, I know what's right, I know what's wrong. I love to watch the film, and I do love to read other scouting reports, as I've said before. I, I take a lot of different inputs and kind of shove it down into my gut and just kind of decide from there. But my final decision is oftentimes made by my eye. And I have been wrong, but I also, like I said, I like to trust my eye, and I suggest you trust your own eye because that's all scouts are using. They're using their eye. They're using all their inputs, you know, the, the connections they have. Um, whatever the little signals that they get to tell them, you know, and kind of like for them to be able to read the tea leaves and say, okay, this is what, it's the same thing we're doing. It's it's all the same thing. And so um, for me, I just try my best to read the tea leaves for you guys and give you uh, my best go. But um, at the same time, I can't make any promises and I'm not going to stand here and tell you I'm a dynasty guru. Even the name Big Knowledge Football, I've never mentioned this before, but Big Knowledge Football is not, it's not that I'm saying I have big knowledge of football. It is in fact um, from... I don't know if you, you I might, this might date me a little bit, but the, there's some old ESPN commercials. I, I swear they're back in the 90s or something. Um, and these people would walk around with what they called their knowledge. It was just this big furry creature. And some guy's knowledge was bigger than others based on whatever, you know, just their knowledge of sports. And, and it was just funny. I always thought it was cool. And I started naming uh, email addresses and whatnot after Big Knowledge. And uh, I think they did a blog at one point. Um, so big knowledge football just became my moniker. I don't necessarily think that I have some big knowledge of football. In fact, one of, I think, the biggest strengths I have as a dynasty player um, is that I stay pretty fluid. I'm not someone who thinks I know everything or is you know, trying to, um, once I get committed to something, trying to just stick to it for, for whatever reason. I, I try to stay fluid. I try to be open to the fact that I can be wrong. And I, and I try to do that throughout this podcast and will try to do that throughout this podcast, especially with these rookies. Um, there's just going to be things changing and I don't want, you know, I want to put these podcasts out. I want to talk about these players, but I also, I'm being honest. I don't know. It's going to be a learning process for me once I see, um, the combine and the draft and all that. So I'm going to give you my honest take and I'm going to give you what my eye says and I'm going to share my excitements and then I may change or I might not, but you know, that's just part of the experience. And I want to share that with you that, Hey, I'm not a scout. I'm not somebody who gets paid to do this, but I, you know, you've, if you've listened to me long enough to know, um, I, I have some some good takes, and I try to you know like just read the tea leaves, figure out you know it's 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 a narrative game. I love what the football guys say, how it's you know 
it's all about the narrative, and I, I'm big on that. It's, it, I love talent. I love scouting players and looking at players, but oftentimes I just love trying to figure out what narrative sounds like it'll work. And I've seen enough football and I've experienced enough things um, that that's kind of the fun part. It's even more fun than trying to predict what happens on the field. It's just trying to predict socially how this is all going to work out um, throughout the years. And so anyway, sorry to go off on a little tangent there, but I did want to mention that because as I get more excited about these players and I'm reading, some days I feel like, man, I don't even know if this wide receiver class is all that good. There's a lot of depth and a lot of guys, but are they really going to come in and impact the NFL? So I, I don't see um, that much room for elite, you know, somebody just come in and shake up. Every guy I see has some sort of weakness. At the same time, I see a lot of very good football players. So just temper, you know, your expectations when, when with I have an excitement about a player. It's in terms of this coming rookie draft and where we can get them. And that's the other thing you're going to always hear me um, more excited about some players than others. Um, a big part of that is where I think I can get them in our drafts um, because it's just a lot more exciting to get a player that is you know cheap and could potentially be a stud than it is to get a player that could be a stud and you're paying what is you know his pretty much cost or just below his cost you know then it's it's more just like okay you you need to make that that assessment more accurately on those higher picks but down in the low that's where we have a lot of room for error and we also have a lot of room for gain um, so those are the exciting ones for me so Without a further ado, let's talk about him. So my number one wide receiver to talk about is of a big, potentially dominant wide receiver um, that's coming out in this class that I think you can get late. I haven't seen him that high. You know, occasionally I do see people kind of higher on him than others, but rarely do I even see him in most people's top ten. It's Preston Williams, wide receiver out of Colorado State. He's six four. He's two hundred and nine pounds. He was a highly touted uh, prospect coming out of high school, a 97.69. He went to Tennessee. Um, he did have an ACL injury early in his uh, career at Tennessee, but he also was pretty underwhelming. He didn't have a, a, like single-digit catches both years. And then there was some issue, and he transferred um, to Colorado State, um, had domestic violence incident, and was suspended or didn't play for the 2017 season. And then out of nowhere, he shows up here in the 2018 season um, for a terrible Colorado State team, mind you. Um, but he had, what was, let me see the stats, 96 catches for 1,345 yards and 14 touchdowns in 12 games. I mean, those are the kind of numbers that we get excited about a pro in 16 games putting up 96 catches, 1,300. He did in 12 games. That's like eight catches for 112 yards and over a touchdown a game. Very impressive. Uh, there's so many things that I that I did really like about him as far as just a pro potential player. I mean, he's got the physical gifts. He's tall. He's fast. Um, he's kind of explosive. Um, he's got some jumping ability. So let's just talk about him. Um, he has good hands. I would say not elite hands. It's part of his his issue is sometimes he just seems to like body catch a little bit. Um, he has great long speed and explosiveness. It seems like with once he gets the ball in his hand in open space or if he's going down the field, uh, but not so much off the line. It seems like he's not one of those really um, elite, quick kind of guys. Um, what I have written down here is, is he does seem to really potentially track the ball in the red zone. Um, you just don't see it like you don't see it as as much as you would want to. But he, there's like the potential. I see a few times where he just goes up over a double team. He rips the ball down. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't seem to be as common as, as some of the guys on Nikhil Harry and stuff who are kind of used to uh, the battle, the, the 
you know, the combat there with the cornerbacks. But, it, you know, that's all hard to say. There's just so many. Infections. But and the other thing I noticed about this team is, God, they were losing so many games. They would be down to Air Force or Nevada. Or, I mean, it wasn't even it wasn't Air Force. It was Nevada and uh, Boise State. They were just getting crushed. I mean, it was like by the time some of his plays would start coming to bed, they would be losing 27 to nothing or something. So it's really sometimes there's, there's a lot of ups and downs with that where I'm not convinced. But I will say this. I listened to a podcast last year. I think it was the Matt Waldman podcast, and uh, Lance Zerline was on it, and he was talking about a wide receiver for Colorado State uh, named Ola B.C. Johnson and how he was so impressed with his route running, and he thought it translated to the pros. And I think this was before the season even started. And I had a Debbie League, and I went and picked up Ola B.C. Johnson um, and was almost instantly disappointed because he kept getting outplayed by his counterpart. But I didn't... The first two seasons or whatever, I just, or part games of the season, I didn't think to like, okay, I need to go drop this guy for the other guy. Here's Lance Erline telling me that he, this, you know, that he really thinks this guy's got the pro potential. Um, but it wasn't long before somebody in my league did pick him up, and by the the rest of the season continued, it just came clear to me that it was not old B.C. Johnson. I ended up releasing him for somebody else lower on my roster. But it, it in retrospect, and then now seeing it and kind of like doing scouting, I'm like, that was the guy. It was Preston Williams that caused old B.C. Johnson to somewhat disappear from my Debbie team. And, uh, you know, when I watch him, I see where, you know, he is a really highly touted prospect. He is raw. Um, but I, I like a lot of things. Let me see. I, I have written down that he, he uses his speed and his athleticism. Um, he does use route running and refinement. Um, and he has a, a skill set that can trade fairly easily um, if he can continue to develop. So he just hasn't shown a lot of development. Um, from what I've read and what I've seen, he's one of the more exciting guys that's going to fall. You know, if he ends up in the second round, then he's kind of being valued where, you know, there's this risk reward for him. But I kind of, for now, where I see a lot of running backs and a lot of receivers going higher than him, I see him more as a really late second round at best and probably more like a third round pick in, in our dynasty formats. And, and I love that compared to taking a guy, you know, any of these guys at the top, any of the DK Metcalf, Nikhil Harry, any of them. I, I just honestly would prefer taking a, a, a more shots on a couple of these guys who I think um, are going to pan out um, that, you know, at least one or two of them are going to pan out and then trying to, you know, pay big money for the studs. And the more I look at this draft class, and, and I'll, we'll talk about this more, but my leaning right now is that I, I feel like maybe trading my first round of pick away, and I have already traded some away at the end of last season, but trading more of my first round picks away for current players that I know produce, um, because I see some of the value charts and I really, I would prefer the player from the league than I would the draft pick, the draft slot. Um, and then try to just target some of these guys who I feel like are pretty comparable a little bit later. So Preston Williams, that's that's the first guy I, I want to talk about. A couple of the things to note about Preston Williams, he's not getting an invite to the Combine. Because of this domestic violence, because of the, the situation there, um, the, the Combine has decided not to invite him. And I think this is going to be a good thing for us um, because it's just not going to allow him to show some of his short area quickness, um, some of his refinement that I think there is there and would show up um, in the speed too. He's got He's got great speed. Um, but I think most teams know he has the speed. I think it's more so does he have some of the other things. Um, but I, I kind of see a, a little Brandon Marshall in him. And, and I'm not, you know, like I say, he's not as big. Um, not a, like Brandon Marshall is more like 230 or 220 or something. But I don't know, just the kind of like the attitude, the way his body control, he turns a lot. Like he can just throw the sidelines and he's, he's got like a lot of body control and uh and yet has this like ability to just catch the ball and kind of make big plays. And I remember Brandon Marshall doing that a lot of times where it would, 
he sometimes just seemed like a big body guy, but then once he got going, he was really fast. Yeah, and the domestic violence thing also, I just think that will kind of drive his, his value down a little bit um, in terms of the draft slot. Um, just because teams are always wary of trying to invest too much. So even if teams are, are kind of high on this guy, I think we will see him kind of slip a little bit in the in the actual NFL draft, um, which in turn... Um, but, you know, with all these guys, it's going to be a landing spot and so many things like that. But for now, talent-wise, um, pretty big on Preston Williams. I think definitely keep an eye on this guy. Let's move on to our second player. Um, so number two, very similar build. You're going to get this theme. These guys are all very similar builds. But what I liked about this and why I thought this uh, would complement each other is although these guys, these three guys are similar build, um, they have different, they're different. Um, there's just slight differences. I like all three of them in different ways. And I don't think they're the same player at all. Um, so these first two are a little more similar. So the second guy is Antoine Wesley, wide receiver. Uh, he came out as a junior as well out of Texas Tech. Um, he came out of high school as a two-star prospect, was not highly coveted. But, you know, that's, again, that's all to be taken with a grain of salt. If you come out of high school with any kind of star next to your name, you're pretty pretty well thought of in terms of an athlete. But he came out as a two-star prospect, 6'5". That's very tall for a wide receiver, 200 pounds, so tall and skinny. This guy is a green bean, you know, whatever they call that, long bean, string bean. He's like a tall drink of water. Except, you know, in most cases, I would be kind of put off by that. But he's really, there's something about this guy. He's, I don't know if it's just maybe he was a late grower or something. Uh, it kind of reminds me of some basketball players who play like point guards, but they're huge. This guy has the feet of, of a smaller man. He just doesn't, he's not the same, you know, he's not that same kind of guy um, that, that you would think of with 6'5". Let me write what I wrote, talk about what I wrote. So he, he's got great quickness and footwork for a guy he's, that's so tall. Um, he can dominate in the red zone and on deep passes as well. I, I see that this guy has really good body control. Um, I think I think where the concerns are is people say he doesn't have speed, and I don't like honestly when I watch it on tape, he's not fast, but he is not slow. I mean, there are moments where he has get up. It's just like zoom, he goes from zero to going. He ha- there's many many plays I've seen, especially in his highlights, um, where he's making where he actually just comes to a complete stop and then just re-accelerates against smaller defensive backs who should be quicker than him and he takes off he has you know explodes away from them and then gains speed from there so i I, i'm not sure we'll we'll find out more at the combine or or when he tests Um, but i I just have a confidence that i think that antoine wesley will surprise people with his athleticism if he ends up slow um, then that is maybe a concern but i didn't see it on tape he didn't he didn't look slow to me in fact one of the more impressive things about him is was his ability to decelerate we talked about calvin ridley um last season and how um you know he was so underrated for his ability to just decelerate running really fast and then just come to a stop um and this guy antoine wesley he's really tall to do that and sink his hips the way he does i saw really um nuanced route running where he had multiple moves i saw the ability to just not just on routes where he would kind of like set up like he was going deep and then kind of just use that that deep threat, the speed, the ability to jump over and dominate people, he would use that to set up shorter routes and get a lot of separation, much more than I saw some of these, quote, more impressive prospects. I was super impressed with Antoine Wesley in so many ways. And also I noticed he breaks a lot of tackles too. I really love the way he was, um, for being a skinny little guy, he did not it, he did not look like he was lacking strength. Um, he took on defenders. He had wiggle where he was avoid tacklers. Um, he would pull away from guys. Just a lot of, a lot of, 
just juking ability and funny little things. Like I said, I was very impressed with his get up, um, his ability to come to a complete stop um, and just work those inner routes and everything. So there's a lot I really like about Antoine Leslie. He may end up being even more, I might like him even more than Preston Williams, especially if he's less valued. Um, I might just try to to nab him everywhere and depending on where he goes and how he's valued. Um, but I'm very big on this kid. I just think that um, it's tough because we haven't seen the league commit to too many of these big guys aside from the star potential guys like the Mike Evans and, and some of these, you know, even the Mike Williams. And, and there are there are enough of them that can make impact. But I don't know if that was necessarily uh, because they're, you know, that's just a need for the teams right now or um, there just wasn't the right talents out there. But this draft class has just a huge number of these guys. And it's strange to me that a guy like Anton Wesley – um, is not getting more more hype, and so I'm pretty excited about him. I want to see where he gets drafted. Um, I do, you know, the, the, some of the concerns is that he's tall and thin, but I, like I said, I didn't see him being weak, and I think that that almost, you know, s- sells itself to the fact that he can add some strength. Um, and they say his speed and his release, and the release, that might be true because it, you know the people. But he's one thing I loved about this guy is he didn't have much, you know, just like uh, very similar to Preston Williams, where his first two seasons were, you know, single digit. Antoine Wesley had non-existent first two seasons. Um, He came out of nowhere. So he's, you know, you can kind of think that as a negative. But to me, it's kind of like the light came on. And as a junior, he had 88 catches for 1,410 yards and 16 touchdowns. Very similar numbers to what we're talking about with Preston Williams in 12 games. Those are ridiculous numbers, and granted, you know it's college, and you're you're going against some uh, competition that's not quite the same. But I think it's just very telling when you watch the tape that this guy has the skill set, and he has developed really quickly to me. Watching watching him run routes seems like this guy has been working hard on it, um, because and maybe he hasn't developed quickly. Maybe he's been working hard on this a long time. But to go from a guy who basically wasn't even on the field to suddenly just being you know one of the best wide receivers in the league shows me that something clicked, and, and oftentimes that's a work ethic thing. That's a uh, fundamentals, techniques kind of thing. Uh, there's so many talented, so many big, strong, fast players out there. That, you know, Speed is not the only thing you need. You need the ability to combine that speed uh, with agility, with the ability to you know cut and slow down and sink the hips. I saw all that with Antoine Wesley. I really did. Um, now, I'm, like I said, I'm not a scout, but I trust my eye, and I also have read a lot of different scouting reports, saw different breakdowns on him. Um, I just got a great feeling about him, and he I don't have a feeling that he's being drafted very high. I don't have a feeling that people are even really talking about him. So these are the kind of guys I'm targeting. These are the kind of guys that I really want to keep an eye on because these are the kind of guys that are going to pay off. Uh, spending your first round, you know, 8-1-4 on A.J. Brown or Kelvin Harmon, um, is only going to be so you know so valuable or, or 112 on JJ Arcega Whiteside. It, it might work out. He might be with the better of the player. But it, what I'm looking for is is kind of the the steal of the draft. And I feel like some of these guys really have that. So on to the third guy. Let's talk about him. And this guy is similar size, actually a little bigger, um, but a different player, much different player. But I, I potentially I think that there there's also um, he could potentially be similar, dominant, big. Um, kind of wide receiver, and that is Jalen Hurd, wide receiver, senior out of Baylor. Um, if you know who Jalen Hurd is, he was the running back for Tennessee in his freshman and sophomore year. He kind of had a falling out with the coaching staff because he wanted to become a wide receiver, and they didn't think he should be. Uh, he ended up transferring and went to Baylor, 
In his senior season, he um, was kind of a combo. He was mostly wide receiver, and he was their leading receiver, um, but he also did some running. So he had 48 carries for 209 yards. It's not that great of a, a carry rate and three touchdowns. And when I watched him as a running back, he's he's unspectacular. He's okay. He's tall. He's very tall. He's like a Derrick Henry without uh, 30 pounds and, and without the burst, honestly. Um, but his wide receiving, he was 69 catches, uh, 946 yards, and four touchdowns. He had like a 13, almost 14-yard average per catch. And that's where I thought, you know, very similar to what I was talking about with Antoine Wesley. I feel like just he developed really quickly. It was impressive how far Jalen Hurd has come for being a running back his whole life and, and deciding he wanted to quickly change. So he's a 6'4", 230-pound athlete. He was a four-star prospect um, coming out as a running back. So he's, you know, he's got the athletic ability. Um, when I watch him, there are certain things that I wonder, okay, can he translate? You know, we talked about little Jordan Humphrey and how, you know, I just really feel like tweener-type guys are, are really struggle to to really make an impact in the league. And I and I feel like I have some, some of that feeling about Jalen Hurd, but I feel like he's going to be free. I really feel like there's just not going to be, unless Jalen Hurd goes high in the draft, which I doubt, with, you know, with the fact that he's kind of still in transition mode, he's more of a prospect. He's more of, of somebody who people are going to draft, and he's, he's going to be a little bit of a project. But and we as, as dynasty owners may not even want to draft him. We may just, you know, have to just keep an eye on him. There's some of these guys... Part of the reason I want to talk about all these guys and want to study all these guys is because I want to know about them. I want to have them somewhere in my subconscious so that if they come up, if something comes up mid-season, I know something about them. I know, oh yeah, I remember that guy. He did, you know, there was some potential there. Let me look into him instead of just going, ah, uh, disregard. So that to me is, is the thing is I may not even end up drafting a Jalen Hurd ever uh, this season, but I may, and I may also just find myself keeping him, you know, kind of just aware of him seeing where he is seeing what's going on with it it may take a year or two but there is a lot of potential the guy's a gifted athlete he's big he's strong he has that profile Um, some of the things about him so he has very loose hips obviously he's a running back and that's why it reminded me of little jordan humphrey he has natural hands and he had a feel for the position that i felt like i didn't see with little jordan humphrey i really felt like when i watched Jalen hurt play the position he looked like a wide receiver I can't say the same about Jordan. I really feel like uh, with Jalen Hurd, I, I was super impressed with his ability, and it wasn't like really a refinement in routes, but a decent amount of refinement. He clearly was putting time into it and was clearly um, you know, able to get separation, able to work different routes, the inside and the outside of the field, up the field, um, and then they would stick him in the backfield. So that's another impressive thing too is that he was having to play multiple positions and constantly be on the field and constantly be kind of thinking in different terms of blocking and all those things. So, you know, I didn't love everything I saw. And when I scouted him, there was definitely very little info on him. I was like, man, people don't even, a lot of people aren't even talking about Jalen Hurd. There's a lot of scouts that are not giving him, there's no one really going, hmm, I think this guy's going to be great. But they are kind of aware of him. You know, the scouts know that he was a talented player and they're all just kind of waiting to see if he can transition. And that That'll take team. That'll take a team deciding that they're going to invest in him, and also just kind of seeing where he's at in these next few months. Because you know now he's done with college, he's going to go into the combine. I don't. I'm not sure if Jalen Hearn actually got an invite to the combine. I know Antoine Leslie did, um, and I know that that uh, Preston Williams did not. So that is an interesting thing. I like to watch. Um, so I'll have to look on that. Honestly, I didn't know. Um, I should have looked at that. So one other thing I read about him is he's got sneaky quickness. I found that. Um, 
and and release. I found that he he is he's maybe because of his running back ability, he just seemed to deal with pressure, people trying to press on him a little bit better than some of these other guys I've seen. Um, and and he also seemed to have good tackle breaking, like you talked about. So Jalen Hurd to me, I, I I'm just excited about him because again, I think he's going to be free. I don't see many people talking about him um, as as a guy that who could potentially be a superstar athlete, but I, he's. He's got a lot of those things. I will say I didn't see the speed. So the open field speed, that's where I don't think you'll ever see Jalen Hurd be a down-the-field threat. Um, and maybe that's the reason that um, there's going to be some sort of cap. Um, but if he could develop into a lot of the other things, uh, maybe by two or three years there's really a potential for him um, to, to find a niche in this league because he has the athletic ability. And I just, I'm just i always fond of interesting guys who can transition from playing one position to another and do so well enough um, that they're still getting drafted or still getting a look in the professional leagues. Um, so it's, you know, he's a guy that maybe I'm not as big on. And I'm going to give one more honorable mention. And the reason I want to talk about this guy is because I honestly can't find anything else about him. Um, and I, I'm going to keep watching for him, but at least I'll give you the name. Because I'm not even, I've been looking for him and I'm trying to figure out if he's even entered into the draft, if he's going to be drafted. Um, I don't know, but he is a interesting character. Um, and that is Antonio Gandy-Golden. Um, yeah, you probably haven't heard of him. If you have, good for you. Antonio Gandy-Golden, he's a wide receiver for Liberty. Um, I don't know where I came across him um, earlier this year, but I've picked him up in Devi, um, just thinking, okay, this guy's got some potential. He's another big guy, um, kind of the same build, maybe not quite as gifted in some of the physical ways and not quite as refined. Um, but when you watch him on tape, there's some impressive things about him. He's pretty dominant. And um, he comes from a background where I, I've read that he had, you know, martial arts, tennis, different, you know, lots of different sports. And I always love players like that, um, but just because he, it, it shows up. It shows up on the field when you watch him play. He's not just some, you know, he has like the ability to jump over guys, run around guys. Um, he's a very skilled athlete, and and I, I found him to be interesting. I, I guess he may end up not even being on the radar. He might not have even declared for the draft. I follow him on Twitter, and I keep looking to see, but I don't, I don't see anything. But anyway. Make a note of it. Keep it in your little roll decks. Antonio Gandy-Golden. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with him because I do think that uh, there's potentially another big dominant player. And I've, like I said, there's more guys. There's plenty of other guys. All of them, I think, should be late. Um, but I'm going to talk about some of them in Dynasty um, Spotlights as well. And also, I just think that uh, there's only so much. They all start sounding the same. So if there's some of that, I apologize. You know, the ability to jump and the big, strong guys... There's a lot of them in this draft, and I think that that's going to be the key to this draft is differentiating, deciding which ones you like best, trying to get your hands on a few of them. Um, that way you can you know, take some shots because I don't think they're all going to hit, but I also think some of them are going to hit. And if we can get some cheap shares of some of these guys and kind of start getting an inkling of which ones are more likely to hit than others, then I think there's some chances that uh, we could end up with some studs. But I'm also... I'm not so sure about the high the high end value of some of these guys. I I do like AJ Brown. I like a couple of these guys, but at what price? At what point? I don't know. Um, I'm I'm leaning out of. I'm, I'm you know I'll mention actually I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about DK Maffey. But I'm glad that there is starting to be a maybe a, a one one. You saw the picture with DK all ripped up and everything. You know, suddenly like seems like DK's up there at the one one. Um, and and I'm you know, I'm kind of glad for that just because I have the one one in one league and I want to get out of there so bad. So hopefully someone will try to trade up for DK. Anyway, that, I think that's it for the podcast. Thank you for listening. I want to give a special shout-out to uh, Sam Crow 14 for the uh, the review and rating. I also got a four-star rating, so thank you for that. At first, I was a little disappointed, but uh, in reality, I should be checking myself because 
we all know that if I think I'm going to get a hundred percent rating, it's that's not you know it's unrealistic. And, and the truth is, is I appreciate all of you people who give me the five star rating because I I know and realize that that's kind of grading me on a curve. Um, that curve being that I'm an amateur, so you know I, I do realize that I probably don't give you a hundred percent five star rating reviews, but I do. Like I said, it's a free free podcast, so you're getting something out of it for nothing. And, and those of you who give me that five-star rating, I really do appreciate it. And thank you for the reviews. And uh, thank you guys for listening, most importantly, because uh, it just seemed to be sticking, and I'm enjoying doing it. Um, so anyway, I will be getting back to some more of the social psychology stuff, too. I've, I've read a couple books that I want to introduce to you guys um, and just some different theories from them. But it doesn't, you know, it seems like most people don't want to hear that. But it, for me, it's kind of fun part of twist to my, uh, to my podcast has always been uh, talking trade talk. Um, <clears throat> but since I'm talking about that, you know, one more thing. I'm having this epiphany this off season that there's so many podcasts that talk about trades and so much trade talk that I feel like I, maybe because I have a lot of good teams, I'm less inclined to really want to make deals right now. And I feel like there's so much over analysis sometimes. I was listening to a podcast and I was listening to them talk about the value of a player and they were saying, well, you know, I would buy him at one nine and I would sell him at one five or something. And I was thinking like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, first of all, we don't even know who's going to be at one five and who's what one nine. We don't even know that could be the same player to me. One five and one nine is not that different to be willing to buy a guy at one nine and then willing to turn around and sell him at one five. It's like, do you want the player or not? So I, I guess my point is, is I think we need to remove ourselves a little bit from trade frenzy to, Start looking at trades as there's constructive trading and then there's compulsive trading. And constructive trading is when you're looking at your team and you're looking at your player base and you're deciding, okay, I have this pillar and I have this pillar and I have this pillar and I'm going to build around those guys and these guys are all expendable and I'm going to go ahead and make moves as, as well as I can to find other pillars to go with my current base of pillars. What you're not trying to do is just get into the idea of, well, this guy's worth a certain amount and he might be at his max value, so let me go ahead and trade him now because he might not be at his max value next week or next month. That makes no sense to me, folks. That's where you're getting a little compulsive because we're not playing the stock market. You're not selling and buying and getting to make up that difference. You're not. You're playing a dynasty football game that's played out over a season, so valuable pieces are valuable during the season. And you don't want to be just trading them off, trying to get, you know, break them up or figure out, okay, well, I'm going to get max value. If you have a good piece, hold on to it. Make it one of your pillars. That's what I'm saying. Decide on your team who are your pillars and then decide who's expendable. And then don't shake from that. Don't move from that. Unless one of your pillars is being moved for a better pillar, that guy stays on your team, period. Stick to that. Trade the guys outside of that. Refine your trade thinking and I think it will it will do you service because I think that that's one of the things as I'm looking here. I'm going to do some trade talk, but I'm not going to sit there and analyze. I feel like it's a mistake for so many of us to trade so many of our players uh, just based on whether we think they're overvalued or anything. Um, you only have so many places for studs. And if you have studs, unless you're getting somebody better, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see making too many moves. And I feel like we're, we're getting to a point where it's becoming compulsive. It's not all the time. I mean, especially those of us who are good at it and those of you who are good at it, the more you do it, the better you get and the more apt you get it kind of taking advantage or making sure that you get taken care of or getting the angle or finding ways. That's all good. It's all good to make those moves and it will benefit you in the long run. 
but don't just be compulsive because you'll find that you'll start making missteps too. You, you get the desire because they're not all dummies out there. A lot of them, they're other guys doing the same thing. And if you're not on your A game and you didn't eat your lunch that day and you're feeling a little, you know, didn't, didn't have your Snickers bar and the guy catch you off guard, guess what? You lost that player forever. So just be wary. Don't go in there and just go trade crazy. You know, just always thinking it in terms of identifying what you can build around your team and then having some willpower to hold on to those players and, and only be willing to trade certain parts to develop further that team. Anyway, another tangent, but I did want to mention that. And there'll be other stuff I'm kind of uh, been brainstorming and just thinking about and, and I want to mention along the way. So anyway, thank you for listening. Um, I hope I can earn that four-star rating into a five-star rating. And I hope uh, anybody else who wants to give reviews, I much appreciate it. And uh, I will be back here within, hopefully within a week. Um, I've got a few other podcast ideas already ready. It's just a matter of finding the time to fit them in. So um, like I said, if you want to find the show, you can email me at bigknowledgefootball at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at bigknowledgefo1. That's bigknowledgefootball. And thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon.